This is exactly right. Hello. We want to take a second to tell you about one of our favorite podcasts, Disgraceland. If you like music, pop culture, and true crime, this is the podcast for you. Through host Jake Brennan's deeply researched storytelling, you'll hear all about the lives and crimes of musicians like Jerry Lee Lewis, Jay-Z, The Rolling Stones, and so many more. And now Disgraceland is expanding to include artists, actors, athletes, and other icons from Anthony Bourdain to Andy Warhol. Full episodes are released every Tuesday. Check out Disgraceland on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Goodbye. murder that's georgia hardstark <laughs> that's karen kilgariff sigh <laughs> i was like are we gonna do the thing where we def- define it somehow yeah this, um, we are now sometimes yeah, we do this, a thing where we define it oh uh, and then you laugh <laughs> oh, in your room they never know what to say those two you think after you, five years they would have known what to say or would care enough to prepare it in some way. But no, we know the magic is in the lack of preparation. That's right. Every week, we just spill stuff out of our mouths on into a microphone. and That's our guarantee to you. <laughs> Good. I have two sleeping dogs in this room. And they will not. This It won't continue. So at some point, we're going to have um, you just a have surprise. Constant anxiety about when your dogs are going to bark. When I'm recording a podcast, yeah, that that actually um, I make a living off of. <laughs> it should matter more. Well, and if, if that mattered, we would have made up a beginning too, an intro. True. So it would be like, okay, for sure, next week, Georgia on the. Here's our action yeah. list. Here, for I'm gonna next make. Week. I made you cue cards. We start mm-hmm. with. <clears throat> start with. Hey, how are you? How, you know, what hey, are you America. Meeting? America. Should we not say "Hey, America"? Hey, oh yeah, hey, and Canada and the greater, uh, oh right, the greater territories of. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Finland? Oh man, hey Finland, oh. hey Finland. I see you, girl. Hey, girl, you look good, girl. Me too. All right, um, no more nonsense. Yeah, let's get serious. Okay. Um, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Good. Fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should we should we tell people what we were just laughing about? Or wait, is that going to ruin it for your show, Stephen? Uh, I don't think so. It's someone surprised. Well, this is a spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, it's a sneak peek. Yeah, it's a te- yeah a teaser sometimes or a trailer. Stephen was just telling us about like who he what cat owner he has on for the uh, the podcast upcoming upcoming, and it's um just look up hashtag Steve Buscemi cat, and then I have never and he sent us a picture, and I've never heard Karen laugh. <laughs> so hard and loud and then and then steven's comment i'm just you tell <laughs> okay so <laughs> this cat is there is an adam driver cat that looks literally exactly like adam Amazing. driver and long ago we did a bit on ellen like literally in the early days uh-huh. like 20 2004 or something it was Send us a picture of your pet and we'll tell you what celebrity it looks like. (laughs) And we had a cat that looked exactly like Scarlett Johansson and it was really hilarious. And the cat was kind of scrappy too. It wasn't like it was some gorgeous. It was really funny. Anyway. I think Dottie looks like Adam Scott. 
<laughs> she looks like she could be Adam Scott's teenage daughter. Do you know that I've known Adam Scott since I moved to LA? Stop it. Yeah, yeah. He used to, he used to, my old roommate used to be in an acting class with him. Oh my so God. we've known each other since we were 24. Wow. Yes. But I don't, we don't really know each other anymore. Yeah. Like, but me- if you saw each other, you'd be like, hey, it's you. I literally at the beginning of this year, I think, or the end of last year, ran into him in the grocery store and we had a lovely like catch up kind of funny thing because he was a huge fan of Mr. Show. Oh, wow. So he would come to our like rap parties and stuff back in the day. Yeah. Well, then great. So then you can text him um, or tweet at him about Dottie's (laughs) Dottie looking like his teenage daughter. I shouldn't describe this cat because it's better for you just to go have your own experience. (laughs) But all I'll say is this is an insane looking cat. And as I'm looking at it and laughing my ass. Off. Steve, I look down at the Instagram post that Steven sent us a caption of, and the first comment is from Steven, and it with this insane cat face, and it just says, iconic. I That's do that Steven's on a lot comment. of cat Instagrams. <laughs> I love it. Iconic. It's really good. Iconic. Um, let's put it on our Instagram slideshow of this episode. As a, but it's a but it is a preme a preview for Steven's podcast, the Percast. I don't want to steal all <laughs> Steven's light. Steve- We're definitely <laughs> Steven stealing Sarah. Steven's his light, Sarah and Steven's light and thunder uh, by even <laughs> exactly. approaching this topic at all. Exactly, it's very rude. I love it. Uh, what do you um, got? What's she doing this week? How's your life? Well, um, medium. Here's the problem: if I have an appointment that's at a at a thirty, so it's like it's at two thirty, it's uh-huh. at twelve thirty, I will be either early or late for it. I can't do ha- on the half hour. Uh, time is becoming an, a serious problem for me. <laughs> that, honestly, it's like I'll say to my friend, like, "Oh, we should definitely talk. Let's try to let's try to talk this week." Three weeks will pass. Yeah. And then they'll be like, hey, so do you still want? And I'll be like, what? Like, I thought we just had that conversation. It's all getting very blurry, liquid and strange. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's because I just I think I need to leave my house more than I am I and just like drive or, you know, go go, put on my mask walk. and go to a Starbucks drive through or whatever. Yeah. Well, I saw you on Sunday, though. We saw yes. each other's faces. Yes, it was so nice. Like we, Vince and I came over for a socially distanced poolside hang at Karen's. You fucking mm-hmm. you fed me a, a nerd's rope and you fe- <laughs> and I took great pictures of your dogs that I need to send you. Yes, you did. Um, Are, are you now a nerd's rope believer? Would you say? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Like you kind of end up thinking about them I ate later the on. entire thing and it was amazing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I was going to order um, uh, like a delivery or whatever from the grocery store. I was going to get a bag of Halloween candy. Mm-hmm. But the one uh, and tell me if you agree or disagree on this. Mm-hmm. The one of the bags of um, candy had nerds in it. Ooh. And I was like, here we go. Yeah. But then it was like it had half fruit based candy and half chocolate and i oh. don't like that because they should they, be separate chocolate picks up the flavor yes. of the thing it's laying next to Ew, yeah. so then you bite into like a snickers but it also tastes like oranges yeah no dude i get that okay i'd never thought about that before shit well, I don't think I don't think we need to think about it that much. <laughs> but I mean, oh, I have a, pe- a you news know. thing to tell you about that. I, that someone uh, also, I think I talked about nerds ropes on so many podcasts <laughs> that people started tweet. Someone actually tweeted me, and it was really funny. Where they were like, I started thinking everyone was 
talking about nerds ropes and then I just realized it was podcast you were on. It's just <laughs> it's, you. I need to stop talking about candy. And I don't know. See, and see you have fixed my problem for the beginning. <laughs> you just use it on every podcast. Yes. It's the same I'm picking up the same index card sitting on my desk. Yeah. Hey, how, hey, hey uh, folks. Well, have I you heard actually, of these nerds ropes. I'm a little offended. I thought it was like a special thing between you and me, but it's cool. Well, it is, though. Okay. No one can take away our nerd's ropes moment when I can converted you to my side. It's like the Elvis turd that was just on the couch. It's a special <laughs> thing between you and me. <laughs> nope. That's not the same. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I have a news article to read to you. Okay. And it, Ooh. Um, I, have, I have one for you. Oh, my God. What if it's the same? Is it okay, about go ahead. teeth? No. No. Okay. This one. starts out for at least the third time construction workers in Georgia have opened up the walls of a former dentist's office only to discover thousands of teeth in the wall. Look at this picture. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh God. And there, and the, and the dentist office was only open from 1900 to 1930 something. So those are all vintage fucking antique teeth teeth <laughs> that, oh that my he would just God. like throw over his shoulder probably and like into the wall <laughs> he had a great aim it was his version of having like the little basketball hoop yes the nerf <laughs> it was like his nerf basketball hoop from 1910 yeah and we're saying we're saying he because women weren't allowed to do anything back then so it definitely was true probably it's a safe assumption it's a very safe pretty assumption. sure although if you have a relative that was a yeah a, a groundbreaking dentist in the tens that was a lady the first female dentist it was um it's interesting and <laughs> you would just like this up you know but instead you're sexist goodbye <laughs> okay what's um, yours that's crazy i mean i feel like we've gotten that story we've heard stories like that over the years at least once well, before but in georgia here. it's already happened three <laughs> it's times like a, it's like an epidemic in georgia apparently that's <laughs> crazy i, feel, I don't know why I feel proud a little bit because my name is just George. I have nothing to do with the state, but I'm a little like proud of us. You know, and you should be as you should be. Also, you know what I was thinking the other day because I read, I was reading, oh, this book I'm reading that I really like and the state of Georgia gets brought up in it. Mm. And then I was like, it's such a good name. Yeah. Have we had this discussion? It's such a great name. Thank you. I, I say that because I hated it when I was a kid and then I'm now I'm like, fucking own it it's a great name yeah and i think it really it's like, is i think it's like part of my personality too you know what i mean like if i had been something else i were like i would have been a different fucking person completely is that true do you think i mean if you were potentially karen, yes if you weren't karen do you think you would just be a different person if you were like man yeah i think yes for sure because First of all, and I've told you this, no one could rhyme anything with Karen. So the meanest thing they could call me was the Red Baron. And I was like, you fools. It doesn't hurt at all. Don't even try. (laughs) Get away. So there is that like, yeah, it's it's your like my my cousin um, wanted to. I won't say the name because then people get hurt. But my cousin wanted to name his firstborn a certain name and when he told my sister she was like so you just want her to be unpopular <laughs> oh 
what but it was it be? they were trying to do one of those old fashioned oh. you know Agnes style names yeah. but don't be mad because I actually think Agnes, Agnes is, is a very cool name yeah. it's a very good name there's a couple old fashioned names that are old because they it, they they went away yeah. for good reason yeah <laughs> You know, let them go like, away. Uh, no, we're just going to name someone who listens is going to be named. It's, or their it's only going to hurt grandma. Yeah. We're going to bring back. It's only going to hurt rating feelings. Yeah. No, it's fine. Then every Make single work. Sloan that ever listened to us is never going to listen to us again. <laughs> Sloan is a, is a great name. name. I know. Fuck yeah. I love the name that's Sloan. A, that's a beautiful name. Sloan. Uh, um, did you have a, you had a thing. I have another name that I really like, but it's going to. I, ha- I have to fold it into something else. I'm going to tell you, but this okay. is the this is the news item I printed up for you. Okay, which somebody um, tweeted on Vice. I think our friend Josh Mankiewicz pre- retweeted this on on Twitter. Nice. Um, shout out! But remember the story of Kim Wall, who was the um, the Danish journalist who got killed by the guy that invented his own submarine. Yes. Um, that guy. His name's Peter Madsen. Mm-hmm. Escaped from jail no. by taking um, a prison psychologist hostage <gasps> and walking her out of this jail. They caught him. <sighs> He's back in jail. So he didn't. He only got um, a kilometer away, which as Americans, we have no idea how far that is. But <laughs> so he got around the world. He got three <laughs> he got- baseball stadiums <laughs> away. <laughs> Um, he got a 400 meter dash away. <laughs> he, got, uh, he got three minutes of skipping. He's he's back. He's back in jail. That's the most important part. Good. But Ugh. but anyway, I was just kind of uh, that's just almost in the in the um, topical true crime news Absolutely. area that I just went. Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy. He, he won't quit. What a dick. But other than that, um, I have a couple new TV shows that I've watched because right. I, aside from time not working normally for me, I've become procrastinating things, like things I don't even need to procrastinate. I'm like calling people and being like, can you cancel that for today? <laughs> can you I, like, it's so, str- I'm getting, uh, it's like my new passion and hobby is to, is to do like, what makes you procrastinate. Yeah. You got to do what makes you sane. <laughs> In these trying times. We're like, sorry, I just really need to put that off for today. And it's like, you made the appointment. It was your, <laughs> and it's actually, not a hard. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't at all. Yeah. But it's so nice when you like suddenly don't have anything. When you thought you had everything and you suddenly have nothing for the day. Suddenly it's a blank slate. It's like the room gets bigger oh. and all of a sudden and the TV becomes more beautiful. If you can imagine that. Uh, a more fascinating and the television. weather has been like weird and foggy here so it's like oh and i just i can't do anything it's so beautiful yeah. out i'm i probably should have soup and put on an irish <laughs> fair isle sweater and curl up and it's like yeah. it's 82 i know but for la actually last night when i got into bed i had a duvet uh, inside of a duvet cover and I had to take it out because it got so hot. Oh. Um, and this was, you know, I did that say a month ago because uh-huh. I was like, what am I doing? I don't need to sleep under this duvet cover or whatever. Yeah. Last night when I got into bed, 
I was laying there reading and I was cold. And then I basically had to go change into like long sleeve, Aww. long pajamas and put on like winter pajamas. And because there was no way I was putting a duvet in a duvet cover in the <laughs> no. middle of the night. But um, I was like, oh, that's that's how we know the season's turning. That's how you know in du- L.A. is you need a light duvet. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you go from a single sheet to a light duvet. And that means it's For Halloween. Two and a half months. And then. Yeah. It's 80. Then you're again. sweating and it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> hey, what's up? Okay, what's your um, show? Okay, I have four, <laughs> but I'll do them. I'll do them fast. I have none, so you can take mine. Oh, okay. I'll do your voice for the second. Great. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk like that. I like TV. <laughs> <laughs> I <love What>? TV. <laughs> 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 oh, here's you. Okay. The first show. Okay. Remember in, in Rick, the Rich, Ricky Gervais Netflix show, Afterlife? I loved it. Remember the sex worker named Daphne? Yes. Who is just the best vibe, the, best. the b- most genius. It's such a wonderful part. Well-written, hilarious. Yes. Well, that woman is a woman named Roshane Kanati. Okay. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, but there's lots of ways to go wrong there. Sure. She has a series called Game Face uh-huh. on, it's on streaming, okay. whatever. It is so fucking funny. What is it? It's just her kind of trying not it's like it's it's a typical setup where it's just like her and her crazy life and she's like an actress that also has to be a temp uh-huh. um but it's her personnel uh, so i guess she started her. as a stand-up oh wow does stand-up or whatever so it's like it's and she is the she created this show herself oh, wow awesome. so it's like it's her own vehicle okay it's really funny there's some stuff that happens in it that is so hilariously insane it's just like a great great show okay i watch it game face then there's another show that like then you start getting things suggested for you along the lines mm-hmm. so the next one was um it's a show called the other one <laughs> it's so good remember in catastrophe uh-huh. the rob delaney sharon horgan show mm-hmm. um so good as well the babysitter that they get who's like has the accent and she has her all her hair pulled back and like she's like you know um i can't do the i can't do the accent i don't remember i don't know what where she's she's from a certain part of london that is very like she's like a yeah um you know she has a certain kind of accent i don't know (laughs) i don't know how to explain it because maybe it's cockney or maybe it's a different area but she's just basically kind of supposed to be quote-unquote street i think okay and she's really funny she's like the babysitter she just doesn't give a shit all the time okay so she's in this show called the other one the other ones plural Uh and it's about um uh mom and daughter and their the husband has just died Uh the father's just died and then they find out he has a secret family (gasps) And the secret family is is that woman who's the babysitter, uh-huh. and then her mother, who is the woman from shit. Sorry, I should have written all this down because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't lot think of... we'd get this far in. It's it's basically it's a bunch of your favorite British people Great. who are really good at acting, and the two of them. So it's basically like kind of the snobby upscale people uh-huh. who then have to deal with. The father's other family. <laughs> it's so good. I love that premise. That's such a great idea. It's really good. And and it's not they don't do with it what you expect. Yeah. And it makes it so much funnier. Yeah. It's it's great. Hey, um love it. I'm ch- that one checking that off and, the 
Mark. Check that off. And then there's one called uh, Not Safe for Work. Um, and that is basically it has the vibe of like the office a little less a verite mm-hmm. and it's this woman who basically works at this place and then she finds out she's getting sent up to northampton mm-hmm. i think it was it is um which is basically where they send all the people who are bad at the job uh-huh. and she's like but i'm great at the job this doesn't make any sense and she gets up there <laughs> it's it's just an it's like an office comedy yeah. it's brilliantly okay. done it is like i couldn't stop watching it i definitely binge that that's called not safe for work okay and everyone in it is super talented and super good and they and you also recognize them from if you like british shows from a bunch of other shows that's all if you Brit- british comedy female driven british comedy it is like Three in a row yeah. where I was like, I'm in. seriously, I was just going to watch whatever came on. Yeah. And they're also well-written, funny, great. Um, the, the problem is over there, they do like one season of a show yeah. and they just, because it was like one of these shows was from 2017 and I was like, there's only one season of this? Why? It's so good. Yeah, they do that a lot. And then the last one is just, I finally watched the, it's on Hulu and it's the biography, I Want My MTV, oh. about the MTV you know, life. Bla- yes. It's, I kind of, it was one of those things again where I didn't watch it right away because I'm like, I'm going to have all kinds of feelings yeah. and the visuals, whatever. <laughs> I was, I literally found myself cheering aloud at certain <laughs> parts. There's, it's such a good, like if you are um, younger than Generation X uh-huh. and you are interested in why we are the way uh-huh. we are. Or, you know, like, or you're interested in the trends from the 80s or whatever. It's such a good, comprehensive, visual, like, yearbook of this time, how they built this network. And it was our entire lives. It was our entire lives. And remember how, so the thing, the way I found out about MTV was they put, they ran ads on local TV Mm -hmm. that was just Sting or Mick Jagger or someone popping up Pete Townsend and going, I want my MTV. Call your cable provider. And then they put your cable provider's number (laughs) on the screen. So it's like the individual places did it because they couldn't get most of the cable providers to agree to yeah. host their basically teenage show. And there's, it starts out explaining how no, there was no TV that was aimed toward kids in like the late seventies, early eighties. Wow. It was all adult conceived and adult directed. VH1 and we wanted our MTV. <laughs> I can't even, I want, it's so weird. I just like realize that people younger than us don't realize how fucking huge MTV was it like as a kid that was your entire fucking life it was your life and I actually think as good as a job they did and man they started talking about how they got like those creatives where when they you know how the the um the logo art would change so like the logo would stay the same but then all the art around it would change yeah the reason it was like that is because they they brought in all these examples for for the guy to pick uh-huh. and he just went let's use them all <laughs> and it was this idea that they set up that it's like this is 24 hour it's always going to be changing yeah. this is the new 80s like this is life now everything's going to go fast Fast for fucking teenagers it's fascinating and then there's just all these moments the first time i ever ditched school i was like in fifth or sixth grade and i stayed home to watch the premiere of like a fucking debbie gibson 
video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only in my dreams? Uh, no, it's like electric youth or something. Electric youth. And I was yeah. just like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to school till 10 today because hell yes. happening. Yes. I was when the thriller um, video mm-hmm. premiered, um, I was at Holly Gardner's house, Holly Gardner, who's now been made famous by the terrible tampon in the suitcase story. <laughs> um, but that wasn't her, the only moment we had. Yeah, yeah. We, we had. We shared a wonderful childhood. <laughs> and it was like, I guess, in sixth grade or sixth or seventh grade. And we it was appointment TV. We went to her house yeah. and wait. And it was a countdown till the thr- thriller video. Yeah. It's just like watch it if if you if you're like gen x like me and this was like a thing that like hypnotized you yeah. as a kid it's such a satisfying series so you're teenage kids now because we're old enough to have teenage kids isn't that weird gross i know, I know. Gross. gross um cool yeah that's my whole that's my whole one life what have you haven't you have no been watching anything no. we're watching the same we're going back no. Oh yeah. We need to, I get it. It's just not happening right now. Got it. What about podcasts? Uh <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> You're just taking a break. I'm taking a break from everything. I've read a couple books, which is nice. Ooh. But that's very I good. Think not drinking just like completely changes my like my whole schedule. Like no, I can't yeah. do the same things anymore. I have to like go at nine o'clock I have to go downstairs and get into bed to read a book or take a bath or something. Otherwise I'm gonna fucking drink. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like well I, that's good that you've come up with these other things to do though. Yeah. I'm that's nice. Trying. It's getting yeah. boring real quick, but then I wake up yeah. and I don't feel like shit. So that's nice. Yeah. That is you just gotta tip the yeah tip that seesaw toward the not feeling like shit is a good thing thing. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, I've been talking about nerds ropes for three weeks, so it's not like I'm saying that in hey, any kind of high horse way. Speaking of a good thing, let's do exactly right news. Let's do it. Well, I think the most exciting or let's not judge. Let's not yeah. have it be that way. Sure. An exciting piece of information. We're about to debut a new um, logo for SSDGM that um, someone drew for us in like, I think the summertime. Yeah. And uh, we decided to hold it off just because we didn't know what was going on or anything. And now we get to premiere it. And it's based off of something you wanted, right? You were like, I want this to look... Yeah, I just wanted I just wanted a new feel yeah. because we've done kind of all the things and you know, look, could be a huge mistake. <laughs> but it just is like it's SSDGM, but it's it basically is it's it reminds me of um Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. It's in terms 70s. of the art, it's very 70s. It's very 70s art. It's super cute. And it looks like it what? belongs on a lunchbox. So we made lunchboxes mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Good news, goth girls everywhere. Yeah. Right. Although there's not that there's not that much black. It's it's That's kind of pastel y. I think it's more like a riot girl, like emo girl kind of a thing. <laughs> so yeah. bring back. Well, whatever kind of girl you are, take a look because we are now um we are premiering that new SSDGM logo and we've got t-shirts, tank tops, mugs, yeah. the lunch, the legendary lunchbox tumblers. Right. Take Go a to, look. Uh, MyFavoriteMurder.com. The, there's the stores there on that, on that website. Oh, and this is the, um, Denton pointed out that this is the, this is the design that, that actually made me cry during one of our meetings because I loved, loved it, it so much. so much. You. I just love it. 
<laughs> you're so, so sick cool. of seeing cutesy things with with cutesy writing and cutesy flowers <laughs> that when you saw and I'm always like I love it I love it and then when finally something for Karen showed up the fucking SSM like, this is what I'm talking about I love it she cried I mean I like cutesy too but yeah. it, but how about you know yeah. we can do all kinds yeah. of tones and feels me to cutesy it's, uh, not, it's next level shit. That's right. It's for everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Uh, here's Hey, here's a couple exactly right podcasts that are doing something fun this week. Um, hey. On this week's episode of Bananas, Kurt and Scotty have musician Phoebe Bridgers. <gasps> Friend of the fam. Family. We love her. It's so funny. They talk about weird news, like um, a woman who fell off a cliff trying to save a puppy. <laughs> and, oh, that ends very well. Okay. It ends very well. Okay. Don't worry. And yes. then there's one, the parrots at a zoo who won't stop swimming swearing at people <laughs> that might be my favorite thing i've ever seen in my entire life yep uh and and more more so check bananas out this week with uh, phoebe bridgers it's very cool i love i love that that they booked her i yeah. love that we got that and that it's not you know what i mean it's, it's like usually like it's family it's like you know i know family but that she's i i love that people are willing to do stuff like this now because yeah. we're all we're all quarantined Trapped. and whatever so yay thank you phoebe for being on that show it was hilarious oh this is great this um on the fall line this week laura interviewed um josh hallmark who's from true crime bullshit and anna priestland who's from murder town about um their deep research methods for for series um crime cases it's fascinating so cool so So that's out this week as well fall line yeah very exciting and then oh my god okay here's another this is a we saved this exciting news to tell you that our the newest podcast that's coming out on november 10th uh, i saw what you did the trailer dropped so you gotta hear it and hear what it's gonna be like and it's so fucking exciting and cool and we i'm so proud of this podcast so each week millie who's a film expert and danielle who's a film enthusiast will discuss two movies uh with like a theme like neighborhood creeps and great 70s apartment so that's going to be a really fun podcast that we're so excited about. We're so proud of. Please subscribe to it. That's like the biggest thing you can do for podcasts if you want to support them is to subscribe and to rate and review. And I know everyone says that at the end of every podcast, but it is because it puts you up on the charts on iTunes or Spotify or whatever. So it helps uh, get visibility and people can see people will see the podcast. So be like, oh, it's that. And then they'll follow it too. So that's the coolest thing you can do. It's another great hang from the exactly right that's team. right. So that's I saw what you did. So please um, subscribe and all that stuff. And yeah, that comes out on November 10th. And you get to hear it right when this episode ends. Exactly. So we're basically tagging it on to the end of this episode. So it'll be there waiting for you as a delicious sampler of our newest podcast that's going to come out. Is it time for me to do my story, Georgia? Yeah. Since it's a one, it's a oneer. God, I loved last week when you just did yours and you were just like, mine's really long. Should we it's just like, yes, again, procrastination. Yeah. But then this week it's, it's then your, this week it's your turn. The burden's on me. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's see. I tried roller skating once, by the way, with my week and it didn't go well and I've given it up already. Hold on now. Where did you do it? Outside of my house on the, um, I know. But no, Vince had to hold me up the entire time. I wouldn't let sure. him. I was terrified. And then I just had this realization that I could really hurt myself. <laughs> like really, really hurt. Like I posted it on Instagram, this like photo, like I'm doing it. And then, uh, but it, like a long time ago, I bruised my tailbone or I like cracked my tailbone. So I'm really scared. And then all these people are like, 
go get him, Georgia. You can do it. Hey, once I broke my wrist when I was roller skating and then people like sweetly were just like, yeah, me too. Telling me their horrible injuries from roller skating. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. I'm 40. I don't want to break anything. <laughs> I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to hurt myself. But it's for Instagram likes. <laughs> Do it. I did it. I got one post up and it was liked a lot and I look fucking cute in it. And now I can put those fucking roller skates in the basement and uh, save them for, I don't know, never. For, for, save them for when the Moonlight Roller Rink and over in Glendale oh, opens back up yeah. and we go to like fucking 80s MTV night. That's a great idea. Great. Because when you fall at the roller rink, yes, I mean, you may have, that's where you may have broken your tailbone, which it's I, not. I think it's on the fucking, it was on the sidewalk. Yes. I think we, you can throw yourself into a carpeted wall. Yeah. Like that's what you need to do. Cause it's all about like stopping the forward yeah. motion if you're out of control, but like c- city streets ain't it. Yeah. Cause there's gum and holes and gravel and shit. Uh, like, I don't know what I was no. thinking, but I'm giving that up and I'm going to try to have another hobby soon. That's Ice not, skating? No, that's not going <laughs> to maim me in any way and make me go driving to the cars with no brakes. COVID <laughs> driving cars with no brakes. Um, yeah. let's see what else. swords. You can just sword fucking do sword shit <laughs> in the park. Perfect. Did you see that story? Somebody retweeted this, and I can't stop thinking about it. I do this all the time, where I look at Twitter and I absorb it, but I don't like save or fave any of the stuff. Yeah. I, we all know this because I do it every week, but somebody posted a picture talking about how disturbing, like we're all talking about social media and the the social dilemma, mm-hmm. uh, which is the amazing special on Netflix about how totally fucked so we are up. with with all this stuff and how it's affecting us. But somebody posted a picture. There is a... <laughs> There's a private jet set. So it's like the Hollywood set. Oh, uh-huh. that if you were on a sitcom, you would go and sit on that. And it's like, oh, oh. this is the scene where we're in a private jet cool. that Instagram influencers are using <gasps> to pretend that they are on private jets. Stop it. Uh huh. Because people start, started recognizing that's that same jet from and then basically. Show. Oh, <laughs> that's from Veep. I think I saw that on the set of Veep. Why does that yeah. say that that's the president's plane? <laughs> what? Do you know there's and, a. Oh, my God. Go on. Well, no, no, my point is just I keep thinking about it because, you know, when I see like people from Instagram, it's like some of those Kardashian pictures where I'm like, oh, my skin will never glow like yeah. that. And I will never have like it's too late for me because like the the, the yeah. monologue that starts in my head about how I hate pictures of myself. Well, the reason is because I'm comparing myself to mannequins, yeah. to 3D images that, that were created in a computer. These are not real people. They're not They're real not. situations. And they have people who make them look like that. There's a um, there's a subreddit that's called Instagram reality where they'll <laughs> show the photo that someone posted and like how tiny their waist is and how hot and big their butt is. And then they'll like, look at the, look at the wall in the back and the wall's like bending because... <laughs> really good because and, or like there's like people without pores that don't have pores in their lives right. it's like not fucking real these people are i mean it's fine do your fucking thing but it's but when but people like who have low self-esteem or who feel bad about themselves need to not fucking take that seriously or eating disorders right. where you're you're taking you know and i will speak just for myself in this where it's always an issue for me and it's always a concern of mine and it's a problem because again because i grew up in the 80s yeah. where you had to oh. be 89 pounds totally Claudia like Schiffer. on coke fucking and blonde yeah, yeah. 
And back then it was all kind of real because I guess they didn't have the technology. But when you bring, when I bring my issues to social media, uh-huh. it's only basically to get beaten up. Yeah. I'm I'm going to the playground to get my face punched <laughs> by feeling bad about how great everyone looks. Like yeah. the other day I was looking at, there's like a group of friends picture that somebody posted on Twitter for some reason. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God, I would look terrible if I was in that picture. And I'm like, they're 26. <laughs> like, I did that 25 years yeah, ago. I'm not supposed to look like that. And I looked fine then. <laughs> no, none of this. Like, all of, we're all comparing. It's like we're all back in high school. Yeah. yeah. Whether you're fucking 50 or 18 or, or, or fucking eight. Like, yeah. it's really not good for us. No. Take it all with a grain of salt, I guess. Yes. Thing. Also, if somebody could take whatever Georgia posted in her skates and somehow animate that um, to make it look like she's going off a jump like Tony Hawk, we'd oh love to see God. it. Basically, lie for Georgia and make it look like what she posted is like, uh, now I'm the best roller skater of all you time. You might be able to because I look like... I'm sitting on a curb tying my skate. So you might be able to look like I'm doing a jump where I pull my, you know, pull the board up high. (laughs) (laughs) You just basically posted a picture of like, I'm getting ready. And then just never, never did anything else. Well, there was no hands available to take photos of me while while I was skating because I wouldn't let go of Vince. Truly, (laughs) I like kind of hurt him when I was my grip. (laughs) So there was no one to take a photo. I was like, okay, put my skates on and then don't let go of me, please. Oh, shit. I just don't want to do that to him again. Skateboarding. Another fucking thing I hurt myself really bad at when I tried. It's tough. Don't try. The answer is don't try because then you will get hurt. Well, don't try to stand or sit on things with wheels that have no brakes if that isn't something you've done before, (laughs) maybe, or a lot. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Well, this week I'm going to do the Pied Piper of Tucson. Okay. We've never done this one before. I don't think I know it. It's old. Okay. It's from the 60s. Okay. And it's been covered a lot um, because it's one of those things that wasn't just the case itself, it was then kind of taken at the time to reflect a cultural mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Cool. And yeah. the reason, um, the reason I picked this one is because I got this tweet and so did you. Are you fucking and stalking so, me on Twitter? So did you. Yep. <laughs> no. I'm blocked. Yep. I like I to check you. your mentions. <laughs> Don't you dare block me. Um, This is from a a listener named Brenna, and she said to both of us, Uh added both of us, I'm an English professor at LSU and just read um, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? Which is a short story by Joyce Joyce Carol Oates Mm -hmm. um, with my intro to fiction class, not realizing it was inspired by this article about the Pied Piper of Tucson. Would love to hear it on the pod. Beautiful. And yeah, so she linked this article from Life Magazine Mm -hmm. 1966 Mm -hmm. called The Pied Piper of Tucson. And the other, uh, just so thank you so much, Brenna, for sending that. And because she's a professor, she didn't just send the suggestion, but she linked the article so that that the research would be there. But I also used myazbar.org, Murderpedia, Wikipedia. And once again, Jay found a research document from Radford University from their psychology department. I used one of these once before at a live show, I remember, um, because they break down um, criminal cases or or killers and they break them down because they're psychology wise. Mm. So they, they give a really great chronology by year listing the year age and then the event that happened and they go through the whole thing of like is the triad of um oh yeah yeah you know the try is the dark triad in there is this is this and basically it's for it's them basically learning Studying that that killers. stuff but when you're when you're doing these stories yeah. you can go in and know exactly the year the thing happened yeah. so good it's amazing so thank you to Jacqueline Mullins Shayna Brown and Quentin Preston. Um, they're the ones that researched and summarized all of this information for the Department of Psychology at Radford University. Ooh, I'm like excited about this one that if it's so interesting that psychologists have to like fucking take it apart and shit. Yeah, it's well, yeah, because it is it's one of these 
it's an interesting one. They also, A Crime to Remember covered oh, this too. Cool. Yeah. Such a good shit. Yeah. So well done. So, okay. <clears throat> okay. So it's May 31st, 1964. Mm-hmm. And 15 year old Aline Rowe gets ready for bed so she can get up early for a test the next day at school. She has a test at 6 a.m. Fuck that shit. I mean, horrifying. Um, she's a sophomore at Palo Verde High School in Tucson, Arizona. Um, she's an above average student. She's very pretty. Um, and she has dreams of going to college to become an oceanographer. Um, her parents, um, are recently divorced and she and her newly single mom, Norma, they just moved to Tucson the year before. Um, Aline adjusts to, to life in her new town quickly. She makes friends with a neighbor, 18 year old, um, Mary French, who's a high school dropout. And for some reason, Jay included in his research that she was in quotes frumpy. And it made me laugh for so long. What the fuck? <laughs> you live 18 years of your fucking life getting Jesus. by to be described you- <laughs> as frumpy. Frumpy oh. forever. Um, you know she was wearing some moss green sweater. Yeah. And, like she just got pulled in a cardigan that was a little oversized. Sorry, I can't be a supermodel all goddamn day and night. Um she, she was like the first anyway. one to wear pants in her town. The girl to wear <laughs> yeah. pants in her town. So they called Check her out frumpy. that frump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, makes me mad. I don't know why. I argue for frumpism at all times. Absolutely. I'm a big frump supporter. <laughs> Careful. Okay. Oh my my god so mary has this boyfriend um mary works at a the nursing home in town and she met the son of the owners of this nursing home Mm -hmm. and his name is charles smitty schmidt um he's 21 Mm -hmm. mary's 18 Mm -hmm. um he has jet black hair and a drawn-on beauty mark on his cheek how many wraps his cigarettes (laughs) up in his fucking white t-shirt sleeve yes he's doing complete elvis drag okay or uh like he is he wants people to think he looks like elvis he wants people to tell him he looks like elvis like it's a it's his obsession okay um in addition he's five three okay sometimes and sometimes schmitty his friend 19-year-old John Saunders hangs out, too. John Saunders, tall and gangly. Schmitty, five foot three. It's a hilarious combination. so funny. Not really. Um, Okay, so Aline's mother doesn't like Mary French. She thinks she's a bad influence um, on her daughter, Aline. She doesn't... She's seen the kids that they hang out with racing up and down the street. Um, Street racing was big um, in Tucson at the time. And she's also caught... Smitty staring at her with what she calls pinpoint eyes. She has an especially bad feeling about him, but she's also so glad her daughter has friends that she can't complain. And she's a single mother. um, So she's, you know, she can only do what she can do. Yeah. So Eileen goes to sleep that night, May 31st, 1964. And Norma heads out. She's for her night shift. She's a nurse. Okay. So she goes to Tucson hospital. Um, Once Norma leaves, Mary, Smitty, and John pull up um, to the house. Mary taps on Aline's window and wakes her and invites her to come out drinking with them. So, of course, Aline goes because 
right? Yeah, high school. That's your high school dream. Totally. And these kids are older. So oh, yeah. she's she's 15. Oh, she's 15. She's 15. And these kids are 18. And then the boys are even older than that. Oh, so no. it must have actually been very thrilling to be sure. like included. And hey, come on, we got a party. Oh, my God, for sure. So um, Smitty drives all of them out to one of their usual drinking spots in the secluded desert in the dark of night. They park and walk down into the wash, which is no. a dry creek bed that only fills up seasonally. No. <laughs> Jay literally left the definition in <laughs> because of I think because of the last time when we had talked about a slough oh, right. or a sloth, whatever. I think we discussed how it would be pronounced. Uh-huh. And someone wrote in when we talked about that and said that the Petaluma River was considered a slough or sloth, which I found (laughs) offensive. Anyway, um, so they're down and they're drinking, right? This is kind of just what kids do, you know, like to get away, go drink a beer out in a weird field somewhere. We drank in the um, in the Orange County, like river bed, like the L.A. River. Did you? Uh huh. Was it cement like the yeah. like from Greece? Cement and empty. Yeah, it was exactly like it was like from Greece. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Love it. Real and you took it, you take off your neckerchief and then start the <laughs> drag races. Always. Yeah. Um <laughs> You're you're the best dancer from St. Bernadette's. <laughs> okay. So they're out there, um, they sit and they chat, and then according to Mary Smitty, um, Sorry. And then later, according to Mary, Smitty and Mary walk back to his car and they leave Aline and John behind. Um, but then as they're walking, they hear a cry. Mm. So Mary goes on and gets into the car alone and Smitty goes back to the wash. Mary sits in the car alone for 45 minutes. And then John shows up at the car and says that Smitty wants her to come back to the wash but she says she refused. So then he leaves and 10 minutes later, Smitty appears, gets in the car beside Mary. Oh no. And in an excited voice says, we killed her. I love you very much. And then he kisses Mary and he grabs a shovel from the trunk. And then he and Mary walk back to the wash where John is. And they find him standing over Aline's body. She has blood on her head and her face. She's laying face up. Then they dig a shallow grave, put Aline in it, wipe Smitty's car clean of her fingerprints and leave. So Tucson in the 60s is basically has the appearance of a typical peaceful American suburb. It's after World War II and the population goes from 85,000 to 300,000. It's filled with older retirees, you know, who want to enjoy a simple life in the warm weather. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's not enough work to go around. And there's so many retirees that pick up like part-time jobs that there aren't enough for the kids in the area to take Uh, those part-time jobs. So they don't have a lot to do. uh And the schools are overcrowded. So they're on, it operates in split sessions. So some kids go to school during the first half of the day. Other kids go to school in the second half of the day. So that leaves a bunch of kids free to roam around from either noon onward or from six o'clock until noon the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like everyone has to be up and ready to go at 7 a.m. or whatever. So, um, basically this is like a recipe for kids partying and like hanging out. Um, teenagers cure their boredom by driving around a stretch of road called the speedway. And they also hang out at burger joints. There's a teen nightclub called the pickup palace. Oh dear. (laughs) Well, they call, sorry, they call it the pickup palace. I don't, 
I don't know what it's called. Um, they also use fake IDs to get into bars. Uh, so sometimes they just go out into the desert and throw what they call a boondocker, which is basically a desert kegger. Yeah. And that, my friends, was the birthplace of Burning Man. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> the long and the short of it is the teens of Tucson, it's very easy for them to get in trouble. Yeah. Because there's just a ton of hanging out. There's nothing to do. Totally. Um, so... So the elderly king of these teen troublemakers is none other than Charles Smitty Schmidt. He was born July 8th, 1942 in Tucson. He's adopted by wealthy owners of the Hillcrest nursing home, Charles and Catherine Schmidt, and they spoil him rotten. Um, he's strange and he's a bit of an outsider, but he's not unpopular. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obsessed with Elvis. As I said, he always tries to emulate his style. So he dyes his hair black. He styles it the same way. He puts makeup on his face so he can appear tanner Hmm. and then draws the beauty mark um, using axle grease because that's because Elvis had one. And he also puts a clothespin on his lip to pull his lip downward and give him the pouty look that Elvis had. You know, he had like that. Wait, does that work? Because we've been. I don't. I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He he dreamed of fillers. Um. He was he was trying to get that gone. Um, he's also super insecure about his height, which is very difficult. I think like the height thing for men is yeah. like the weight thing for women. Yes. Um, he buys um, elevated cowboy boots, stuffs them with newspapers and crushed up beer cans and adds inside the boot adds three inches. Whoa. So he's got the heel of the boot that's adding height yeah. and then inside he's basically wearing high heels i've done that so that he's appears tall i did that as a kid because i wasn't tall enough to play a laser tag at, that's <laughs> so a, what'd you do photon it was called and i fucking went in the bathroom and stuffed my shoes with paper towels to try to be a little taller and it didn't work so my brother and oh. sister gotta go play laser tag and would you do you just stare at like the gumball machine yeah or like there's this like walkway at the top that you're allowed to stand on and like shoot down but you don't get to like actually play Oh. Yeah, and then it closed by the time I was tall enough. That's why I am a college dropout. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> if I, they would have if they just would have let me play yeah. laser tag. <laughs> the one thing is he is legitimately good looking and he does have they say he did have a certain kind of charisma. Mm-hmm. So he was very popular with the ladies. He was usually dating as many as he could at the same time. So Great. even though Mary considered him her boyfriend, he he had more than one girlfriend um, at the time. He actually, in fact, bought two fake diamond rings, gave one to Mary French and then another one to a girl named Kathy Morath. He proposed to both of them and convinces both of them to get jobs and joint bank accounts with him. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So then they work, they deposit their their paycheck, he goes and takes all the money. Um, when Kathy Morath realizes Smitty never cared about her and was just basically setting her up to so that he could take money from her, yeah. she breaks up with him and starts dating his best friend, Richie Bruns. Um, Smitty is also a bad student. He once wrote a theme paper about how he wanted to, quote, run naked down the street of down the main street of Tucson, masturbating and screaming obscenities at the world. Great. So I need yeah. a new hobby. That sounds pretty <laughs> hey. fucking awesome. Oh. I know roller skating is out for yeah, you, yeah. but if you would just consider this, because <laughs> you'd have to get good at running and masturbating at the same time. Sure. I need like Eye of the Tiger playing in my headphones. <laughs> just focus. You have to drink a bunch of raw eggs. Okay. 
Um, but the thing about him, he, he is not a good student, not interested in school, a really great athlete, though. He led his high school gymnastics team to the state championships in 1960. Um, but the same year, he steals equipment from the school's machine shop. So he gets suspended. Mm-hmm. And then he just decides he's not going back. Mm. So he was suspended, but he wasn't he wasn't expelled. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, here's your punishment. And he's like, peace. Hey. Um and because his parents spoiled him and, you know, yeah. whatever, they let him do whatever he wanted. Um, instead, he just hangs out in the school parking lot. So he socializes there. He meets girls there. He doesn't have to have a job. His parents buy him a little house um, so that he can live in it on his own. Jesus. And they give him th- an allowance of $300 a month. Which I'm sure is a lot today. Stephen, will you look up and see in 1964 how much $300 a month would have been? I'm going to say 1964. I'm going to say 1450. Georgia guesses 14. Wait, wait, wait. Stephen, we're going to do some guesses. Okay, cool. Georgia guesses 1450. 1400 a month. I'm going to say 2500. Wow. Stephen, what's your guess? He already, oh, wait, knows. You already know the yeah, answer. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess the right answer because okay. I just looked it up. It's, you it's, asshole. It's a little over 2500 Whoa, Karen, the mathematician. And I win $2,500 for that? <laughs> I owe you $2,500. For, yeah, from Georgia. <laughs> That's the, that was the bet. Sorry. Sorry, that was the bet. Damn it. Wow. I mean, so... That's a lot the, of fucking money. That's Especially kid. when he owns his house. Yeah. He doesn't have to spend any of that money on rent. No. He spends all of his money on cans to crush up to put in his boots. <laughs> He throws a lot of parties. He goes out drinking with anyone who'll hang out with them. He's also a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. So he does stuff like he lies to make himself sound cool. And here's an example of one of those lies. He tells people his birth name is Angel Rodriguez, okay. which is a cool name. Yeah. But it's also a Made weird up. lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you could say, yeah. Um, what is it getting you? Yeah. In conversation. Yeah. Like, be like, oh. Angel, like, from God? Great. Um, Congratulations. He also, so that's, like, to seem cool, but then he also does stuff like he told a girlfriend once that he shot out the windows of his own car Mm -hmm. and then told his girlfriend, I was shot at by thugs trying to protect you. This is what happened. Uh So he's he's up for lying about kind of anything um, to make himself look cool or badass. He... He also lies to get sympathy. So he tells people that his mom was a famous lawyer who wanted nothing to do with him and put him up for adoption and wouldn't talk to him or whatever. Uh, there is a story about him having a uh, when his parents told him he was adopted, he met with the birth mother and it didn't go well. Yeah. So he's it's almost like he's trying to take that story and kind of like play it for um, sympathy and yeah. interest, I guess. Um. His recklessness and his willingness to spend his money on other people makes him very popular with the bored teenagers of Tucson. Very popular. Um, so teenagers are totally down to hang with this guy because he is buying, uh, which is the way to do it. If the, if you're uh, if you're a weird 23 year old yeah. that wants to be around 15 year olds, Ugh. you better get that wallet out. So. When Norma returns from work, um, so that's that's everything, the horrible shit that happened the night before. So Norma, who's just worked a night shift, gets home and her daughter's not there. 
Um, she calls the police. Reports are missing. They search for Eileen, but they don't find any sign of her. Norma immediately suspects that Smitty has something to do with it. Um, and the police do question him, Mary and John. But all three, um, Smitty, Mary and John, have the same story. They were all supposed to go on a double date. But when they showed up to pick up Eileen, she wasn't there. So they left. Hmm. And the police have no evidence to, to suggest anything different or that they had anything to do with it so they just let them go hmm. um now norma doesn't believe this story for a second and she knows um she knows there's a lot of kids that are kind of up to no good in town aline told her uh she, there was a rumor going around that smitty was running a sex club um where if you wanted to be in it you had to have sex in front of a bunch of other people that was like the initiation whoa weird rumors like that yeah. where i'm sure it added to his kind of like reputation and prowess or yeah. you know like fascination Intrigue. or whatever but yeah yeah, but I'm sure Mary, as a 15-year-old, heard about it and was like, oh, my God, yeah. you know, like, so, um, so Norma knew, you know, there, that there was, there was stuff going on, um, and that she, her, her daughter didn't just, like, walk out of the house yeah. and walk away. Yeah. So, Norma tells the police all of this stuff that, sh that she knows. They dismiss her. They say, it's just rumors. Mm -hmm. They're making it all up. You know, that's what kids do. Um, and... Of course, the cops assume Aline ran away. Right. So Norma, the badass that she is, takes the investigation into her own hands. Oh, yeah. Um, she questions other schoolmates of Aline to see if they know anything. She also reaches out to reporters to get the word out. She also calls a, Arizona's attorney general and the FBI trying to get them to help. Mm. She speaks with a New Jersey psychic who tells her that I, Aline is buried somewhere in the desert -uh. under a tree. Mm -hmm. Police refuse to search they don't, because they don't have evidence to warrant it and they wouldn't know where to start yeah. if they did. Yeah. Norma leaves her kitchen light on every night in hopes that Eileen will turn back up and come on Aww. home. That's the saddest, saddest, Ugh. worst. But after a year, the investigation loses steam and fizzles out, which sounds like it never had any steam yeah. in the first place. Then just two months later in June of 19... Then just two months later, in July of 1964, Smitty meets 17-year-old Gretchen Fritz at the local pool. And she is the troublemaking daughter of a wealthy surgeon. Hmm. Um, and they're basically, that's his type. I mean, yeah. that's like perfect for Fun. him is the rebellious, rich girl Fun. who wants to like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she wants to go be dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so he basically follows her home from the pool and knocks on her door and starts a conversation with her. So they are immediately obsessed with each other. Um, but they fight constantly. And Gretchen never wants him to go out with his friends. She doesn't want him to talk to other girls, which is what he's all about. He does both of those things constantly. And their fights definitely go verge into abuse for sure. Um, once Gretchen gets jealous, not physical abuse, but then just like ridiculous stuff, like yeah. she gets jealous. So she dumps a bottle of shoe polish on his car. Oh, then he takes it um, 95 steps further and <laughs> writes a letter to the Tucson Health Department accusing Gretchen of spreading venereal disease around town. Oh, my God. So they're yeah, it's like. Real Housewives, but it's 1964. Oh, my God. Um, 
and even after this kind of stuff, he also, um, cause the, her parents hated him, of course, yeah. and didn't want her going out with him. And in one of these fights, um, later on, he wrote the parents, her parents a letter saying, just so you know, your daughter is still going out with me just oh. to, to fuck her over. Like it's insanity. And oh my God, I'm never having kids. Yeah. So, so crazy. So, um, they're still inseparable, though. It's part of, of course. It. <laughs> Naturally, they're fucking. Yeah. And eventually, Smitty confides in Gretchen, um, telling her that he killed Aline Rowe. He also claims to have killed another person before Aline, a boy who he says killed his girlfriend in a car accident. Gretchen doesn't care. She still keeps dating him. Oh, God. But after a year, well, because in, and I shouldn't say doesn't care, mm -hmm. but this would be he's basically put down a bonding totally. um, opportunity for her to go. I'll keep your secret. It's just you and me in this world. Yeah. You know, Plus, like now I she's probably scared now, you know, she's gonna be like, oh, then I don't want to date you anymore. Like you're a murderer. Right. I'm good. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. The fuck. Yeah, exactly. Scared, fascinated, like can't get away yeah she's afraid of the letters he'll write after she leaves <laughs> i mean i can't I still can't get over that that's like a weird burn it's like not in the heat of the moment where you take shoe polish and dump it on the car it's like dears you know like did he fucking write it freehand and type <laughs> it or what hit a licking envelope you had to take it down to the fucking post office minimum 12 steps yeah to fuck your girlfriend over that you're just gonna make up with again totally so after about a year um, the relationship reaches a breaking point. Um, she threatens Smitty saying that if he doesn't stop seeing other girls, she's going to go to the police and tell them that he murdered Aline Rowe. Ooh. Shortly after August 16th, 1965, Gretchen takes her little 13 year old sister, Wendy, to a drive in movie, but they never come back. Uh oh. Gretchen's dad uh, assumes that Smitty has something to do with it. Obviously, the parents never liked him. It's, you know, um, he hires a private detective and the detective finds Gretchen's car abandoned behind a motel. Huh. When the police go to interview Smitty, he tells them he thinks the two sisters ran away to Mexico. Can you imagine losing two daughters? Like, it's just horrifying. Awful. Losing two daughters, horrifying. Being a single mom and losing yeah, one daughter, your only child. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's total, total destruction, devastation. Yeah. Okay, so the week after that, on August twenty third, nineteen sixty five, Smitty has his best friend Richie Bruns over to his house and they start talking about Gretchen. And Smitty says, "You know, I killed her, right? I did it right here <sighs> in the living room." Mm -hmm. Um. Then he says that he strangled both of them, dumped their bodies in another desert spot where they would go drink sometimes, wiped down Gretchen's car and ditched it behind the motel. Mm. So Richie has been friends with this guy long enough to know that he's definitely a compulsive liar yeah. and brags about weird shit to make himself look good. So he doesn't really believe him. But a couple nights later, Smitty shows up at Richie's house with a couple intimidating guys in suits, smoking cigars. And the guys take the boys to an apartment where more guys in suits question them about Gretchen and Wendy. Mm -mm. They say they were hired to find her by the family. And Smitty believes that they are mafia connected. Oh shit. Yeah. So Smitty remains calm. He says he doesn't know where the girls are that, that maybe they went to California. 
and the suited men let the boys go. So back at Smitty's house, they go back to Smitty's house and Smitty calls the FBI. What? Uh-huh. Um, he, he tells them uh, that some mafia members of the mafia harassed him about Gresham's disappearance. They tell Smitty they'll send someone to come and speak with him. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's not too bright. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 so now richie's scared he doesn't actually really know what's going on Mm -hmm. but he knows that now the fbi is going to figure it out and be involved somehow so he tells smitty if he really did kill the girls Mm -hmm. that he and he just put them in the desert he's going to need a better hiding spot and smitty's like you know what you're exactly right come with me and they go out he drives them to where he basically dumped Gretchen and Wendy's bodies. They aren't even buried. They're still 
like on the surface Mm -hmm. and then they try to bury them but the the shovel they have can't break the ground it's like where they are is too hard Mm -hmm. so they pull the bodies deeper into the wash to hide them better (sighs) so now richie's implicated in this yeah he's now become a part of it totally so the next day smitty meets with the fbi agents to report what happened with these alleged mobsters um but then later the same day, Smitty goes with those mobsters to San Diego to, quote unquote, look for Gretchen. And when he's there, he gets arrested by the police for impersonating an FBI agent. What? Uh-huh. They release him without charges. He comes back to Tucson. So that's just like this weird thing where, uh, yeah, it's kind of a mysterious part of the story. where Because yeah. he would go, he would actually go to California every once in a while and he would go and get into trouble out there. He was like kind of always going out on these trips and coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's one part, whether or not he actually went with the mafia guys, whether he was taken against his will, whatever was going on with that. He's he's picked up for saying he's in the FBI. Like, how does that happen? I know all of it. It's it's super crazy. So then but after that, like trip and that whole thing, there is a chance that those people that were hired actually were putting real pressure on him because he starts unraveling. He becomes more violent. Um, he starts destroying his own home, like having these bur- these outbursts of rage. Um, on September 9th, 1965, he goes on a blind date with a 15 year old girl. Mm. And a month later, he marries her. Oh, my God. Is yeah. Legal. I guess so. Right. I don't. Yeah. And back then, back then or maybe the laws. I don't know. But he it was basically kind of like on a whim because clearly he's like a womanizer yeah. and, you know, um, but now he has a 15 year old wife. Then he starts threatening Richie's life, saying he's going to kill him next. So he clearly didn't trust that he had this person that shared this horrible secret. Yeah. So you might remember Kathy Morath, mm. who went out with Smitty first. The neighbor. Well, and no. That was, it was just oh, a, another, it was the, the girlfriend that also, yes. Yes, yes. Now she's Richie's girlfriend. Okay. And she starts having weird experiences. Her family screen door is mysteriously cut. Um, they, they report to police seeing an unidentified prowler on their property. Richie gets scared that Smitty's going to kill Kathy next. So he decides he needs to keep watch over her house. So he sits outside her house all day and all night. Sometimes he's he walks his dog by sometimes whatever. Well, the family has him arrested for stalking. Oh, no. Essentially. You're not being a hero by being a guard. Right. But there was a whole thing about him. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Yeah. There was a whole thing about snitching. Uh, so he's keeping this. He's keeping the secret. But clearly he's kind of going insane, too. Yeah. So. Basically, the police in this arrest or whatever, the, the, he's told to leave town. Richie is like, they they say, um, I believe it's the judge after he gets arrested. They're like, go live with your grandparents in Ohio. You need to get away from this girl. Mm-hmm. We don't care what your reasons were or whatever. Like, clearly, this is a problem. So they send him to live with, to stay with his grandparents. Um, but late one night in October of 1965, Richie gets drunk and tells his grandparents the whole story. Oh, shit. Yeah. And they don't believe him. They what? think he's just drunk and being crazy, which makes him snap. And he calls the Tucson police directly. 
Wow. He tells him the whole story, including Mary and John's part in Aline Rose murder. And they have him come. They basically say, you need to come back yeah. here. Hey, so in hey, Tucson, we kicked you out of the city. Come on back. Yeah. <laughs> now we understand why you were stalking. Yeah. Um, so in Tucson, Richie rides out of the desert. He basically takes the police out to where he hid the bodies with Smitty. Mm-hmm. Um, shows them exactly where went Gretchen and Wendy Fritz's remains are. And shortly after that, on November 10th, 1965, the police arrest Smitty in his home. A few days later, Mary French and John Saunders are arrested as well uh, for their part in Aline Rowe's murder, even though um, Aline's body has not been found. Mm-hmm. Um, but they now have the whole story. Yeah. Um, both Mary and John confess to their involvement almost immediately. Mary sentenced to four to five years for being an accessory to murder and John sentenced to life in jail for his part in the murder. Uh, they try to lead the police to Aline's body, but they can't find it. Hmm. So prosecutors push to have the trial for Aline Rose murder first, because then a guilty verdict there would almost guarantee a guilty verdict in the case of the Fritz sisters. But the judge orders that the trial for the Fritz sisters murders goes first. Um, and that begins February 15th, 1966. And in this trial, the court hears testimonies from Richie Bruns, Mary French, um, but John Saunders pleads the fifth. Um, Smitty does not take the stand. The trial lasts two weeks, and on March 1st, 1966, um, he's found guilty on both murder counts. Later that month of March of 1966, he's sentenced to death. So, Aline Rowe, the murder of Aline Rowe, that trial begins May of 1967. But this time, um, Smitty adds another lawyer to his team because remember, his parents were rich. Mm. So, they go ahead and hire F. Lee Bailey oh, to my, defend okay. him. That motherfucker. And that motherfucker. Um, F. Lee Bailey, you may know he uh, was involved in the Boston Strangler case and Sam Shepard in the 50s and 60s. Um, he mo- F. Lee Bailey motions that the judge um, not consider the death penalty as Aline Rowe's body is, hasn't been found. The judge denies that motion. So Mary French testifies again. She recounts her side of the story, telling the court that on May 30th, 1964, the day before Aline's murder, Smitty told her that he wanted to kill a girl just to, quote, see if he could get away with it. (sighs) Mary reveals that she was pregnant with Smitty's baby at the time, and she wanted to make him happy so that he'd man up and be present in the baby's life. By killing... Um, Mm. Yeah. Well, also, but then there's a there's a different piece of it. That's her story. Mm-hmm. But there's another side of the story that says that actually Smitty was like bored with Mary and Mary had made friends with Aline and Aline was pretty. And of course, we remember that Mary was frumpy. Mm-hmm. So um, he started paying a lot of attention to her. So Mary may have had uh, some kind of cycle, you know, psychological reason in her mind that it was okay to get rid of this like competitor. Yeah. 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 Perhaps. I mean, it goes in there with the like thing of you're getting rid of the competition and you're trying to do the thing. I mean, either way she didn't feel bad about sacrificing this 15 year old having her friend, like allowing her friend to be murdered and saying nothing about it. It's it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
it's it's tough it's tough to it's tough for us who read true crime stories constantly yeah. to kind of process imagine what people in arizona oh. in 1966 were doing yeah in the mid 60s let's say so basically mary goes on to say that smitty shared a list of three potential victims with her and together they decided that the best choice would be aline rome which is so cold-blooded and horrifying. Totally. Later, when Mary French gave birth to Smitty's baby, that child would be stillborn. Mm. So it was in this horribly yeah. ironic, awful way, all for nothing. Yeah. If that, if she really is right. true, is honest in saying that that's the reason she didn't. Mary told Aline the four of them would just go out drinking in the desert, uh, believing her friend. Aline was excited to go. And so that night, while Mary sat in the car, Smitty and John restrained Aline. Um, they testified Smitty told John to rape her, but he wouldn't do it. And so Smitty does and then beats her in the head with a rock and kills her. Oh my God. After Mary's testimony, John Saunders once again pleads the fifth. So the prosecution reads John's preliminary hearing testimony aloud to the jury instead. And then the court takes a recess. And when they come back, F. Lee Bailey surprises everyone by announcing Smitty is ready to plead guilty to murder in the second degree. Mm -hmm. The trial ends with Smitty making his guilty plea on May 10th, 1967. Uh, so at least in that case, F. Lee Bailey's like, hey, buddy, yeah. we're not doing this. <laughs> like, it's only going to get worse from here. Yeah. A few days later, Smitty motions to fire his lawyers and tries rescinding his plea. The judge asks Smitty to submit to a psychiatric exam and he refuses. Great. Don't he then with right. He then withdraws his request for a new trial and the plea stands. He's once again, he's sentenced to death. A month later, on June 23rd, 1967, Smitty tells the sheriff that he'll show him where Aline's body is buried. Just pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, he says that if they can see Aline's skull, and listen to this fucking reasoning. This is, you think maybe he's doing it because why, yeah. why would you not? Like, it's a thing we always talk about where just like, just tell them what yeah, they need they to know. know we're past this point. It, right. Yeah. You're going to jail. But here's his lot, his reasoning. He says that if they see Aline's skull, they'll see that there's no fracture, disproving the conclusion that Smitty bashed her in the head with a rock and thereby proving his innocence. Uh -huh. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Of course, it's ridiculous because he knows where the body is. Right. That's implicating him right there. Um, yeah. And and especially after the fact that John and Mary could not find it when they went to bring the police to show the, that yeah. the body, you know. So either way, they want to find Eileen's body. So they take him out to the desert in cuffs. He leads the police to Harrison Road, which sits on the outer part of eastern Tucson. And there Smitty locates a spot with the team and the team starts digging. Um, and it's the same area that John and Mary had taken the police before. But they learn that Smitty, the two of them... They all learned that Smitty had gone back after that night of the murder and moved the body oh my God. to a different spot. That's why they couldn't find it. What the fuck? It's a lot of interfering with corpses type of shit that yeah. I hope were brought was brought up in the sentencing because it's clearly there's no concern. There's no repulsion. It's like yeah. you just keep going out and doing I mean, I guess that's insane. He murdered these people in cold blood. So yeah. obviously he doesn't care. But right. when they find the body, it's, it's bare. Uh, the corpse is just buried one foot below the surface. Uh, police find that Smitty was completely wrong about the skull. There's a massive fracture. It proves exactly what 
um, John and Mary attested to in court and um, basically Smitty's death sentences stand until 1971 when Arizona temporarily abolishes the death penalty. Um, so his sentence is commuted to 50 years to life. So essentially he goes to jail, but then there is this kind of cultural after effect. Um, so that article from life magazine was written in 1966, mm-hmm. but basically the news of these murders cast this, you know, uh, Tucson in this very unfavorable light. And they're just kind of talking about like that the youth culture there is out of control mm-hmm. and that they're all kind of like slackers and criminals. And, you know, um, basically it be, the whole, the case becomes national news, but the locals find themselves constantly defending Tucson's reputation against this onslaught of stories, making, you know, their hometown look like this den of sin and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Palo Verde high school students actually stage rallies and write pieces in their school paper expressing their opinion. They've all been painted as bad kids just because of a, a few, quote, misfits. Yeah. Um, but what was especially disturbing to investigators is how many kids not involved with the murders heard rumors that Smitty killed Aline Rowe and the Fritz sisters and never said anything, never oh, went to the police. That's a big deal. It's, it's You know what it reminds me of is remember River's the movie Edge. River's Edge? Uh-huh. It's, so it's that. Yeah. 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 It's that. It's that thing. Six of Aline and Gretchen's classmates knew enough about the crimes, at least to warrant going to the police and notifying them about these rumors that were swelling around. Not one of them did. Fuck, that's that's dark. Yeah. One student claims that they, quote, didn't know Smitty committed murder, but then goes on to say that, quote, even if I had known, I wouldn't have said anything. I wouldn't want to be a fink. Oh. Yeah. Um, Richie Bruns. Would later, he's, you know, who's the one who basically broke this story and told police. um, He recently wrote a book because right after all this stuff happened to him, he kind of wrote everything down. That was like his side of the story, Mm -hmm. because, of course, he had a horrible time in Tucson. Everybody either said like he would go into places and they're like, we're not going to serve you. Get out because he snitched. Either because he had something to do with it or because he snitched. So he couldn't win either way. He was, he was, you know. Yeah. It's very understandable that these local people would just be like, you had your hands all up in this horrible crime, A. But then this other side of like, get out, you snitch. Yeah. So here's this. This is a really good quote from this article um, from the website Tucson.com, which is where I go for all my news. Um, But this was an article uh, when this when so when uh, Richie Braun's book came out. Well, Richard now because he's an adult. um, He titled it I Squealer, which is kind (laughs) of a hilarious title. Yeah. Um, And basically he was talking about how awful life got for him in that town in both directions. Um, so he tells a story about getting turned away because he, he didn't tell the police soon enough, right. whatever. Then he says, once he was playing pool with his brother at a bowling alley on South Alvernon way. And he says, quote, at the table next to us was somebody I recognized had gone to prison. He was this big dude. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. He shot a couple balls and said, how you doing Richard? And he was friendly as hell. So here was somebody who was in prison and lived by a strict, you don't squeal code. And he recognized the difference between squealing on somebody for stealing a candy bar and squealing on somebody who was out there killing girls. It was quite a different thing. 
But your average high school kid who grew up with things and had these wonderful jobs, they drive by my house and throw stuff and yell derogatory things, mm. mainly about being a rat. Fuck. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. At the time, there was this kind of like, it was like um, Marlon Brando, you know, like it was very like that motorcycle pompadour yeah. culture Rabbit, where it was kind of like... Was. Yes, exactly. And that idea of like being a rat or being a snitch, which I don't disagree with in terms of like that in in the way he said it is just so perfect, though, because it's like you have to have a line. You have to have a personal moral line where where you would absolutely like Like you're not you would absolutely you're not betraying your friend. You're uh, trying to help his murder victims. (laughs) It's like a totally different thing. And their families and their mothers who are leaving the kitchen light on all night. To me, yeah. Snitching is when you get arrested for something and you say, I have someone bigger than me uh, that you want. So let me give you this information about him so I can get a shorter sentence. Yeah. Right. Whether it's true or not. During Smitty's seven year stint in prison, he attempts to escape three times. Mm. The first two attempts fail. On the third, he and a triple murderer named Raymond Hudgens manage to break out. They make it to a ranch in Tempe, which I had a friend who used to live there. He says the way you pronounce it, pronounce it is Tempe. Oh, good to know. On this ranch, they take four people hostage. They end up somehow, even even with all that, they escape from that. And they and they escape without harming these hostages. Okay. They get away from that situation. They stop and eat at a sonic drive-in. <laughs> and then they split up and they both go on the run separately. Um, and that's how those Sonic commercials were invented. <laughs> the two dudes sitting in the car talking about how much they love the weird Slurpee they're having. Oh my God. Um, both men are captured a few days later and thrown back into prison. Um, a couple years later, Smitty tells his fellow inmates that he has leukemia and he doesn't have very long to live, which is again a lie. He was trying to get sympathy from his fellow inmates, okay. which is tragic then on march 10th 1975 smitty gets into a fight with two other inmates and they stab him 47 times holy shit he's taken to the hospital he dies 20 days later on march 30th 1975 at the age of 32 oh my god he's only 32 he's 32 he has burnt out his life like he's just his mom decides to hold a catholic burial for him on the prison in the prison cemetery but his body is allegedly stolen from the morgue and it never turns up the funeral the funeral is carried out with an empty casket what happened to his corpse please i mean horrifying basically if you watch the um the episode of a A crime to remember they really talk about that part of teens going bad and the cultural thing of like what these apathetic teens that don't care they care more about being cool than they do about blah 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 that kind of whole story which is really fascinating and interesting thing what i think they were actually tapping into though because it's 1966 when this life um, article comes out uh-huh. it's three years before the cultural like revolution of the 60s you know the of the of the hippie movement yeah. so i think they were just kind of tapping into that first thing of like fear oh all these the leave it to beaver days are over yeah. and something else is going on in the streets of america with these teenagers and we don't know what it is yeah they're already starting to you know get parents scared of what their teenagers are going to do. Right. And that the teenagers are like 
have no conscience at all. Right. Which is it's such an oversimplification to just say now all teenagers are bad right. and rebels. I mean, like it, it's a ridiculous oversimplification, but it's almost like they were tapping into the the beginnings of this complete sea change yeah. in in the way all of American life worked. Right. And it wasn't just the teenagers. It's like the teenagers are who they wanted to pin it on and talk about. And can you believe them with their street races and their rebellion and their rebels without a cause? Yeah. Well, when there was a way huger thing happening culturally. What's interesting is that I highly recommend, especially if you, if you like great writing, the Joyce Carol Oates short story, where are you going? Where have you been? Which she, she basically read about these cases and ended up writing a fictionalized version. Oh. But like, uh, that's what that um, short story is about. Cool. And it's award winning. And that is the basically the very rudimentary um, story of the Pied Piper of Tucson. Nice. I had never heard of that. Great job. Thank you. Should we fucking hooray our way out of this? Let's do a little fucking hooray backwards walk off stage <laughs> with our hats. You can't see it because this is a fucking podcast, but I'm doing a Hello My Baby hat. <laughs> Top backwards hat. off stage. Back. Yeah. Okay. You want to go first? Sure. This one's from Morgan underscore Cutter. My fucking hooray is that my 17 year old little brother got his first job yesterday and then she put the kind of crying eyes emoji ah, yeah or the acid eyes emoji depending <laughs> on your background he's pretty reserved but he's loved being in the culinary program at his high school and was hired as a cook at one of our favorite lunch spots yes! he he texted me before the interview for advice which literally made my day and then she did the kind of hand typed emoji of a crying guy <laughs> or a smiling guy with a nose <laughs> i'm not sure which one but either way, I love that. I love like, I really feel like as shitty and insane and very difficult as everything has been. Mm -hmm. The idea that people are getting closer to their family members who they might not have really may not have put, put so much energy into is beautiful. It is this thing where like you, the highs that you, there's so many lows and that, so the highs mean more you know they're, yes. they're like more important you realize what the important things in your life are and you have gratitude towards so much more than you did before this not that we needed this especially people like yeah. when you and vince left my house on sunday or yeah. saturday whenever it was it, i wanted to like hug both of I you and know. cry at it's the same so time hard not to hug people and not and like just to be like I just, it's so nice to look at another person and be like, hey, did I tell you this? And then you <laughs> gave me the perfect reaction of like, oh, are yeah. you kidding me? Whatever, where it's like all these things we just, that used to be no big deal. Totally. That now it's like, ooh, I just got my shot of like another expression on someone else's face yeah. and like empathy and listening and understand. I don't know. It just fucking really did it for me. Aw, good. It's nice. It's nice. I'm glad. Excuse me. Okay. Mine is. <laughs> that was the belch of empathy. <laughs> okay. This one is um, from where they wander. Here's my fucking hooray. I recently turned 30 in a pandemic and finally decided to go to therapy for the first time in my life. 
I started, Woo! yay. I started off the pandemic feeling very thankful for my job slash home stability, but things quickly turned sour when my apartment caught fire in April <gasps> due to my neighbor's fireplace. Jesus. No. I was living out of hotels with my husband and our two large dogs and our cat. After Ugh. hotel hopping for three plus months, we finally found a new apartment and have settled in. Seems like the perfect time to get my life together. I think my 30s will be when I stop collecting traumas and start working on being happy. I just love hey. that sentence, don't you? It's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for normalizing therapy and mental health. I spent so many a pandemic night crying and listening to MFM. And I don't know how I would have survived this year without you. Aw, that's nice. Nice. Well, good. Look, I mean, Jesus, that's a that's a load of shit. Yeah, there's it's a lot to handle. God. It's lots of lots of different loads of shit people are dealing with in yeah. these ridiculous circumstances. Yeah. Uh, thank God they found an apartment, two dogs and a cat and like the fucking days in <laughs> Jesus. Okay. This one, um, I believe this is from the, the fan cult. It's the title is dad pride and it's from Lacey Kins. <laughs> um, my fucking hooray is that for the first time in his 68 years of life, my dad has finally decided to vote at this election year. Wow. I've always shrugged off his disinterest. So it was extremely surprising to me when my stepmom told me that he was working on his ballot. I started to cry. We've had so many recent conversations about the current political climate and how important it is to change the direction of our, that our country is headed. I knew my dad had a voice to be heard. And I'm just so proud that he finally realized it too. Oh, wow. That's amazing. At progress. 68, so much progress because progress. You can't ignore it forever. Well, also, I think that's, you know, I was reading this thing today about how it's much more effective, you know, because there's lots of people that are volunteering and doing calls and whatever, mm -hmm. but they say it's much more effective when a family member or a friend, someone close to the person has a conversation that a non-confrontational, yeah. non, non anything, but it's basically just about, hey, here's what I think. And I want to know what you think. And I actually want to have uh, not a fight, yeah. not a way, not a way to work out a bunch of our other shit, yeah. but a conversation about like what's actually happening in this world, not online with strangers, people you don't know, but, it, but a family member where someone else is looking you in the face and yeah. saying, just, Hey, this is important. Just don't do it with toxic people. <laughs> yes. Because as another great tweet I read recently, uh, someone wrote, there's no, Oh, sorry. Can I just take one second to read this? Cause it's yeah. fucking genius. And I know, I know I have it saved in my legs <laughs> for sure. A woman named Francesca Ramsey, um, who on Twitter, her handle is Cheska Lee. Mm -hmm. And she wrote, resist the urge to explain yourself to someone who's committed to misunderstanding you. Love that. It has 43,000 likes right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's so genius oh God, and so that. good. Yep, I do too. Okay, I have one more. Great. This is on Instagram. It's from HL's Bell. It's like Hell's Bell with an extra H and an e extra E on the end and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, like a lady's, a lady's hell and a lady's bell. Yeah. So this says, Georgia, congrats on a couple days of not drinking. My fucking hooray this week is that after hearing Georgia talk about this naked mind in January, which is a great book I'm listening to again about getting sober and this woman's incredible journey. I've stayed sober from alcohol ever since. 
No longer am I waking up with a hangover, self-hatred, and having to apologize to everyone and wondering where the fuck my car is. (laughs) Thank you. Your recommendation saved my life and helped me live a better life while I still get to live it. (gasps) Wow. So 10 months sober, she heard it in January and... Wow. That's incredible. It's really impressive. Yeah. Keep it up. I'll try. Just do what feels good and, and, and get real about what feels good Mm -hmm. as opposed to what you've been doing that you tell yourself feels good. That's a great point. She said as she shoved another nerd's rope into her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) We have to end on that. That was it. That was the button. I think we're done. That was your, your last cue card that you pulled up since we planned this whole podcast. And great. I read my cue card and that's been our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you so much. Yes, please um, stay safe. Um, if you feel like it, stay sober, if that works for you. <laughs> oh, and stay tuned for the I Saw What You Did trailer from Millie and Danielle. Listen to it right now. You're going to get a great sample of your favorite new podcast. But mostly stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs> Good boy. I'm Millie DeCherico. And I'm Danielle Henderson. And we're the hosts of I Saw What You Did, a brand new podcast about the fun of watching movies on the Exactly Right Network. Each Tuesday, we will pick a different theme. Like really bad boyfriends. Great 70s apartments. Neighborhood creeps. Movies about the mall. And hysterical women who have every right to be hysterical. Then we pick two films that best showcase it. It's like having your coolest, single, childish, chain-smoking aunt handpick movies you've never heard of or always meant to watch. This movie is so hilarious in so many interesting ways to me. Like that, that scene where they are going to this party dressed in actual garbage bags. And Marina is like, got hers tight and belted. It looks like a dress and it's got a slit. And Michelle, white Michelle Williams, is literally wearing a garbage bag. <laughs> like she's just wearing a sack bag and this is a moment of such tenderness because it's about virginity and sex and you know marina's like i'm gonna do everything and for her everything includes doing heroin in a garbage bag and (laughs) (laughs) you're so right about that we talk about the kinds of things that you do when you're leaving a movie theater with your best friend like who would be the worst movie character to be in a relationship with and guess what they both suck they both suck they both suck (laughs) <laughs> that, that horrible choice horrible choices abound and why are some friendships so mean they both go for him well let's just say this holly you can tell it's like this guy's up my alley because he's deep and sensitive and he's an intellectual and that's my guy marina though she does she want the challenge does she want the attention like what's your take on why they both ended up sleeping with the guy essentially yeah i think i think with marina it was really vindictive like straight up vindictive but there's a part of her of this character that feels like so hurt to me that she she knows what she's doing but she's so selfish in that need for love that she doesn't care that she's doing it or what's the greatest outfit ever worn on film and most importantly, who needs to calm down? There's a segment where you can ask a female film programmer, that's me, Millie, all of your viewing questions like, what movie should you watch with your upstairs neighbor who only likes British period pieces? And will occasionally talk to my horror movie-loving grandma. You'll definitely build your movie knowledge and fill all of your watch lists. If you love movies, are sick of falling asleep to the same sitcom every night, 
or just need a break from the daily fresh horrors of the world, tune in every Tuesday to I Saw What You Did starting on November 10th. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. And find us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod for all your double feature needs. <laughs>